This morning, we're going to continue in our sermon series concerning things we need to do to move forward with the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it important that Jesus' gospel spread? I, I'm just wondering. I mean, could people look at our lives and say, boy, I'm going to tell you, through their lives, what I see in their lives, I can tell that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's very important that the gospel spread. So listen, I mean, that, that's something we need to ask ourselves. Is it important? We need to always remember that, that we as Christians were called to be a witness for our Lord uh, and, and uh, all the days of our lives. We are to live our lives in such a way that the lost world sees a difference in our lives and are drawn close to Jesus because of the way they see us living our lives differently. Nothing that we're doing. All we're doing is just living for Jesus. All we're doing is exemplifying what is alive in us. People are drawn to that and that alone. We, we've learned that we as Christians need to quit our arguing and fighting. Amen. Come on, y'all. Christians need to quit their arguing and fighting. Amen. That's better. We need to love those God has given us and always remember that people are watching us and will consider how we treat each other as normal, even if it's not. They will. We learned last week that we need to stop being negative. We need to quit being negative. And I hope that rung somebody's bell last week and that just kind of reaffirmed it this morning. We need to quit being negative. Oh, would be to God, dude. I'd just die. God, please grant that wish. I mean, come on. We need to quit being negative. That, that when we understand what Jesus, what Jesus has done for us and has saved us from our sins, that we have absolutely nothing to be negative about ever again. Today, we're going to continue in our series, and we need to remember that God should always... Always, always be our first priority. And he's not. He's not. Church, church he's not. We, we set events. We, we, we do this. We have time for this. It, it, it just it blows my mind to, to see people that I, I love, I dearly love. And it's not just here at this church. It's in every church that I've ever ministered to. Oh, how I love Jesus. You've got time for everything in the week, but you ain't got time to come to church. You make time for everything in your schedule, but you don't make time to come to church. Oh, how I love Jesus. Church, does your life really reflect that? How much you love Jesus? Listen, just because you make a post on Facebook about how much you love Jesus doesn't mean that it actually reflects to the world how much you love Jesus. Right. It really doesn't. Does your life, do your actions show the world? Listen, does it show you that you love Jesus? Well, this morning we're going to find out. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Again, the title of this sermon this morning is Make God Your First Priority. Are you making God your first priority? Matthew 25 verse 1 says this, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the, to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensitive. When the foolish 
took their lamps. They did not take oil with them. But the sensible ones took oil in their flask with, uh, with their lamps. Since the groom was delayed, they, they became drowsy and fell asleep. Sounds like some Baptists, doesn't it? <laughs> in the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom! Come out to meet him! Then, though, then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones said to the sensible ones, Hey, g- give us some of your oil because our oil lamps are going out. The sensible ones answered, hey, no, there there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell and buy oil for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some and, and the groom arrived, then those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also, virgins came uh, and said, Master, Master, open for us. But he replied, I assure you, I do not know you. Therefore, be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again, Lord, asking you to forgive us our sins. Lord, we've, we've gone through every part of the service, and now it's time to, to hear a word from you, God. We, we've worshipped you in, through, through song and through worship and and through tithes and offerings, Lord, and through prayer. And God, now it's time that we hear a word from you. Lord, help us to open our minds. Lord, wake us and shake us. Help us to be attentive to you and to your word. Because this is a way that we show the world that, that you are first in our lives. By hearing from you. Be with us right now. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. As we look at this scripture, and I, I hope some of you, some of you who are teachers, some of you who are Sunday school teachers or discipleship training teachers, or you've taught through this uh, in times past, as you look at your Bible, which you should be writing in, I hope that you're writing all in your Bible. There's two or three Bibles that I found this past week uh, as we've kind of uh, moved things around for the painters that there's no name in them. Y'all put your names in your Bibles. I, I had this conversation Sunday night a couple nights ago. Put your names in your Bibles. Okay? If your Bible's important to you, put your name in it. Amen. Praise God. But those of you who have studied this, I, I hope that you understand something. You're, you're, like, you're probably sitting there uh, that are familiar with this scripture saying, hold on a second, this, I, I, I don't know, something's, he's, he's going in a different direction. This is not what this scripture means. Well, just hold on. Ho- hold on, okay? Y'all with me? Everybody awake? Okay, good. Before we move any further, I want us to understand this scripture. I want us to understand what it means. Chapter 25 in the book of Matthew, the whole chapter, deals with three different groups of people. It deals with the Gentile nation. It deals with the church. And this scripture that that we're talking about this morning today deals with the Jewish nation. There are aspects, though, that can be applied to all three groups, and that will be our focus in this morning's message. So as I'm, I'm reading through this, and I'm, I'm going to make scriptural application to it, don't say, oh, preacher, he's, he's chasing a horse because, uh, you know, it, this doesn't apply to us. We're the church. What, listen, all scripture is applicable to the church. Amen? Amen? All scripture. So y'all, you need to sit down off your high horse and just get ready. Amen? Uh, the scripture, this scripture, is one that, that focuses on the events that take place Post-rapture. Post-rapture. 
Okay? Now, meaning that these things will happen after Christ comes for his bride, the church. John Philip says, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins is well known, but much abused. The coming of the groom for the bride is an obvious reference to the church. But from that point on, the church is out of the picture and the focus is on the people of Israel. The Lord comes on the stage, as do the ten virgins. The number ten denotes completeness, as in the Ten Commandments. The ten virgins, the friend of the bridegroom, go forth to meet the bridegroom. They do not represent the church. Okay? The ten virgins do not represent the church. Y'all get that out of your head. All right? Y'all might want to write that in your, your Bible. They do not represent the church. The bride represents the church. Nor were the virgins in the rapture. Did y'all notice that? If this is post-rapture and the virgins are there, the virgins weren't in the rapture. But they were invited to the reception. Okay, hold on a second, Brother Kyle. What? Why, why in the world, why did the virgins, why did these women not make the rapture? Why is it that they didn't make the rapture? Because God wasn't important to them. God wasn't first. God was not first in their lives. That is why they did not make the rapture. Brother Kyle, hold on, hold on, what are you saying? Listen, every person who has ever lived has the opportunity to find out who God truly is. And if you will trace your testimony, your, what, what took place to you prior to your salvation, you will see that you went through that process as well. That process looks different for each one of us. The way it looked for me when I was, before I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, is I was looking and I was asking, who's right, who's wrong? Because in my family alone, there were two or three different denominations, and each one of those denominations said something different about how you needed to do this to find Jesus. Well, luckily, I found Jesus through a man who preached the Word of God and the Word of God only. He was, listen, he was a Southern Baptist, but he preached Christianity and Jesus first, amen? The only reason he was a Baptist, Southern Baptist is really the only reason why I'm a Southern Baptist is because we support more missions than any other denomination in the world. But really and truly, we are a denomination. But we're a denomination that mostly points people to Jesus and says, look, uh, the only way you're going to make it to heaven is through Jesus alone. Jesus alone. So why did these women miss the rapture? Because their eyes weren't on God. They, they, they had a, a knowledge of God, but they didn't know God. Listen, they had, just, they had just enough God to make them feel comfortable that if they died, they were going to you know, be in heaven for eternity. These women kind of looked like Sunday morning Christians. Just enough. Listen, I have just, just enough to get me by. That, that's a sad way to live. I have just enough to get by. Would you retire on that? Would you, would you leave your job? Listen, we, we have just enough to get by. No, you wouldn't. You'd be scared to death. And listen, this ought to scare us more than anything. We need to know that we have the fullness of God all day, every day. We don't need to be just getting in on our shirt tails. But too many do. Now, as we move forward, 
we need to understand that this story is a tragic story on many levels. Because the bridegroom made himself known to all the world. He never tried to hide his true identity. The bridegroom intended for all to be a part of the bride. That was and is the first invitation. Jesus invited the whole world. And listen, we live in that age. We live in the church age where Jesus is crying out to the world just like God cried out in the Old Testament, return to me, return to me. Jesus is crying out all through this age, come to me, seek me, and you'll find rest. Find me and you'll find light. Look, never stop looking for me and you'll find the water, the bread of life. Jesus has never stopped, church, nor will he until the rapture. The bridegroom intended for all to be a part of the bride. And that was and is the first invitation. It is the rational invitation. It is the part, is to be a part of the bride. That was and is the first invitation. The second invitation is presented to those who did not accept the first invitation. They may have have heard of the bridegroom, but they never knew of his invitation. Once they hear of who the bridegroom really is after the rapture of the church and of his invitation to join him, a new decision must be made. Will you be ready when he comes? I hope all Christians can say yes. I really do. The question can and should be asked of all three people groups that are in Matthew 25 that are dealt with, will you be ready? Will you be ready? There's only one reason why anyone would not be ready. God is not first in your lives. Listen, let me say that again. If you don't get anything else, listen, listen. The only reason you will not be ready when Christ comes to rapture the church is God is not the most important thing in all your life. I can't tell you how many times that, that people will come here or, or I'll be out and about and I'll be talking to people and, and they'll ask me what I do and I'll say, well, I'm a pastor. And they'll say, well, yeah, yeah, I used to go to church. And the next obvious question that I ask is, why don't you still go to church? Well, I've gotten busy. I started this business and, and I do this now and this now. And, 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 and I look at him. I said, listen to me. Listen to me. And this is something you need to ask yourself as well. What in all of this world is going to be more important in a hundred years than what you do with God today? The answer to that is Nothing. Nothing. Listen, the very second that you take your last breath on earth and your first breath in heaven, it's not going to matter how good a husband you were, although you ought to be a good husband. It doesn't matter how good a daddy you were, although you ought to be the best daddy every single day. It doesn't matter how good of an employee you were, but if you call yourself a Christian, you ought to be the greatest employee. It doesn't matter how good of a grandparent, great-grandparent. It doesn't matter anything. The only thing that matters is how good of a child of God you were. That's the only thing that's going to matter. The only identity that you're going to stick to right then and there, the one that's going to be most important to you right then and there, is were you a child of God? Church, what what happens when God is not? What happens when God is not first in your lives? 
What is it that happens? Well, many of the answers can be seen in our scripture today. I don't know if you saw them. When, when God is not first in your life, many things will happen. And some of y'all can attest to that. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I can attest to this because there was a time in my life where God was not first and some of these things happened to me. And to be quite honest, if God is not continually first in my life, some of these things could happen to me again and they could happen to you. And we need to be fearful of that. We really do. Number one, what happens when, when you're, you're, God is not first in your life? Number one, you will not know his will for your life. You will not. Well, hold on, Brother Cal. What, what are you talking about? God wants me to know his will for, your, for his life. I, I understand that. But, but when you close down, he doesn't close down the communication line. You close it down. When you constantly and continually turn your back on God and turn your face to the world, listen, you, you, sep you separate yourself from God. And when God speaks, you can't hear him. And it's nobody's fault for you but your own. God has a will for each and every one of our lives. And it's a perfect will. It might not be the will you chose, but listen, let me tell you a secret. I didn't choose to be a preacher. When God called me in the ministry, Bob, I was, I was happy and content being a youth pastor. Second, I mean, I was good being second. I really was. I enjoyed it. I, I think people liked me a lot better when I was a youth pastor than they do as a pastor. I don't know. But, but I mean, I, I enjoyed that. But, but God and my wife saw different. Really. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of our lives. And if we're not in a, a, a right relationship with him, if he is not first, you're not going to know. You're not. I, I was challenged years ago, and I, I told you all this. I've told you all this many times. I, I, I was just, I was absolutely miserable in, in my life before I surrendered to the ministry. And I, I, I struggled, y'all. I, I, I Spoke with a guy, uh, Jim Neal, he's been here before. I said, Jim, I'm just, please pray for me. He said, what do you want me to pray about? I said, I'm just miserable. I know I'm not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And he looked at me and that, that smart aleck said this. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. Read your Bible like you never have before. And tithe your income to God like you never have before. And I said, what does that, what, what does this, I mean, what does that have to do? He says, that'll show God that you're serious with him. Y'all know what happened when I started praying like I never prayed before and studying in, you know, in God's Word like I never have before? And I started, I started really tithing. I, didn't, I wasn't tipping. I was tithing like I never had. And it was tough. You know, I, I had three small children, and I didn't think that I could do it, Steve. But God said, watch this. Just watch this. I still don't know how we did it. You know what happened when I started doing those things? I had communication with God and communion with God like I've never had before. When he spoke to me, I could hear him. Church, I challenge you to do the same thing. Pray like you've never prayed before. Get in God's word like you never have before and tithe your income. Show God you're serious with him. If you don't know what God's will is in your life, listen, start with that. If it doesn't work, come talk to me. Come tell me. I want to hear it, but most likely, I promise you, it's going to work. Well, what happens when, when God's not first in your life? First of all, listen, you don't know what God's will is for your life. Verse 1 and 2 tell us that there are many, many who know of the bridegroom but do not know, uh, but do not know him at all. 
They know of the bridegroom, but they don't really know him at all. I, I imagine, listen, you, you walk anywhere in this world, anywhere, and you ask the person, you know, do you, do you know who Jesus was? And they'll give you a different answer. Yeah, I've heard of him. They know who he is, but they don't really know him at all. And church, listen to me. I, I, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that there are a lot of people at church on Sunday mornings or just at church, period, who fall into this category. You, you know of Jesus, but you, you don't really know him. You, you've never surrendered yourself fully to him, so you've never been, you, you, you'll never know the fullness and joy that you get from Jesus and Jesus alone. That's a scary place to be. Because today, when you do that, you identify with somebody in Scripture. Verse 3 tells us that the foolish women did not do everything that they should, do, should have done to be prepared for the bridegroom's coming. When you're apart from God and, and you're not in the center of God's will, that's what you're going to do. You're not going to be prepared. Listen, well, let me tell you what they knew. Let me tell you what they knew about the situation. These foolish women knew that there was a wedding and it took place. They knew it. They knew. They knew that according to Jewish tradition, that the bridegroom after the wedding ceremony, the wife would go back to her house and she would get her things together. And the bride, I mean, the groom would go to the bride's house. I mean, this was cultural, it was customary. The groom would go to the bride's house and he would serenade her and get her and get her possessions. And they would get, you know, gather her possessions and they would make a grand procession to the reception. And the people who were a part of the wedding, would line the roads and they would wait for the bride and the bridegroom to come down the road and they would follow them to the procession. It was a grand thing. I'm sure somewhere in Jewish culture they still do it today. The, 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 the unwise virgins, they knew this. They also knew that it happened around the midnight hour. It was late. Y'all, listen. Listen. I'm glad I didn't think about this earlier because I'd get myself in trouble. Uh, when we go on vacation, I can have my suitcase packed in about 10 minutes. Really. Now, it never fails. She, she looks at me and she says, well, you'll probably leave your underwear or you won't, you, you won't bring your toothbrush or you'll forget deodorant or something like that. And, and sometimes I do, but I hadn't lately. But, but Amy, she, when she packs, listen, I, I love it. I, I think it's hilarious. Because she, she, we make the bed, and she, all her clothes are, all, I mean, just in stacks on, on the bed, all over the place. And, and then she'll put the outfits together and put them in, safely in the suitcase. And set the... And then, then she has this, this roll out. It looks like a shoe thing. And she puts her accessories in the shoe. And then she rolls it up and puts it in the suit. I mean, it, it's a great, listen, it takes, I ain't, I'm just going to shut my mouth. I ain't going to tell you how long it takes. It, it, it's funny, but she knows what she's doing. She does. She knows what she needs when she's going. Every single time she knows what she needs. I just fly by the seat of my pants. Let's go. Amen. Praise God. Let's go. 
These virgins knew exactly what they needed. They knew everything about what was going to take place. Everything. They knew when they had their, they, they just left the house. They grabbed their lamp. Last thing, last decision. They knew, listen, if they were really stopped and thought about it, they knew they didn't have enough all. They knew exactly what was going to happen, when he was going to come, and what was going to happen if, if they didn't have enough all. But they, they, just, they just went anyway. Church verse 5 tells us, that all the women got tired while waiting for the bridegroom. All of them, the wise and unwise virgins, they, they all became tired and they fell asleep because he was delayed. And they all fell asleep. Church, this is a picture of us all that we should not grow weary in our work and waiting for the Lord. We shouldn't. Listen, I promise you, I promise you, when we're getting ready, especially on vacation, I, I'll, you know, she'll, she'll go down an hour before I do. And then I'll mosey down sometime, and I'll get in the shower, I'll get myself dressed, and then I'll kiss, kiss my wife on the forehead, give her a high five, and I'll say, this is where I'm going to be, meet me there. You know why? Because I'm a smart man. I'm a smart man. I, I, don't, I don't get in the way. I just let her do her thing. I used to get upset. I did. And I used to push her, and then she started pushing back, and, and I, I didn't like that. <laughs> but this delay this morning that we're talking about, Jesus is delaying for a reason. The bridegroom is delayed for a reason. Do you realize that according to Scripture, we're not, we're not looking for any more prophecies for, to be fulfilled for Jesus to come? Nothing. Nothing else prophetically needs to happen. Do you know why Jesus hasn't come yet? Why he's delayed? Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. That one more, just one more, just one more might come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Grace and and mercy. I wonder if that one more person might be in here this morning. Just one more. Just one more person be saved. Verse 11 through 13 are some of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Look at, look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Later the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. But he replied, I assure you, I do not know you. Therefore, be alert because you do not know either the day or the hour. Church, because these women were not prepared, that they would not, that they would for eternity be shut out from the presence of the God they thought they knew. They thought they had, had done enough, had learned enough, had sacrificed enough, that they had done everything they knew to do except the one thing God required most of them. They were not prepared. They were not prepared. Church, why do you think these women were not prepared? Well, why? Why were they not prepared? Most women overprepare. But these women, they were not prepared. Why is it that they were not prepared? Here's the answer. Y'all ready? Because God was not their first priority. That's been the answer to all the questions this morning. Have y'all noticed that? They were not prepared because God 
was not their first priority. Let, let me ask you something here this morning. Is God your first priority? Is God your first priority? Remember that the title of the sermon series is, is Things We Need to Do to Move the Gospel Message Forward. What we are doing to spread, what are we doing to spread the gospel? What are you physically doing week in and week out that, that is positively spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ? You ought to be able to answer that. Church, I want you to know, if you feel like you have done enough, if you feel like you are doing enough to spread the gospel, you might just be in the same boat as these foolish women. Church, we are called to be a witness every day of our lives. Is God first in your life? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Fathers, we come this morning at the end of this message. We dedicate all the words that were said to you. We pray that you'd forgive us of our sins, that your spirit would move in a mighty way during this invitation. Bring us, Lord, to where we need to be. If there's somebody here in the service who needs you, God, give them the freedom through the spirit to walk down the aisle, just to take one step towards you, that I might show them what scripture says every person must do to be saved. Be with us this morning as the music plays. Lord Jesus, please. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come?